So this morning, we're, we're uh, just kind of having a, a, as we call it, kind of a one-off sermon, uh, not a series as we have this last Sunday before Christmas. And I enjoy these, uh, just kind of that moment where it's just like, okay, uh, there's nothing planned. Let's see what, you know, okay, God, what do you want me to talk about? What do you want me to preach on? Um, in fact, it was kind of funny as I was thinking about this sermon because uh, there, was, there was a moment, there was a moment where I was just like, do I have to preach on Christmas? Like, do I have to, you know, as we prepare for Christmas? Because here's the deal. I was actually in numbers at one point in time. Could you imagine like somebody, a pastor going to say, hey, we're getting ready for Christmas. Let's turn to numbers, right? The book of numbers. And then see some of you are like, I don't get it. Read numbers. <laughs> Okay, not a lot of tie-in probably with Christmas in numbers. But thankfully, as I was praying about it, thinking about it, just reading some stuff, I started thinking a lot about uh, the wise men and and that part of the story where the wise men um, come and present their gifts and their worship to Jesus. And and I started kind of reflecting on that and seeing different lessons that I was like, oh man, that really speaks to me personally in my own faith journey and, and in my own idea of following Christ. And, and so I just started kind of writing some notes of how these men, uh, this group of people that came to see the newborn king, how that impacted my relationship with Christ and how that spoke to me on a personal level. And that's what I just want to share with you this morning is this is where God encouraged me through the story and, and, and just see if it's an encouragement to you and also a challenge to us as we chase after Jesus. Um, because sometimes I think we can see the Christmas story and, and kind of ask ourselves, well, how does that speak to my life today? Okay, yes, the birth of Christ and the importance of that. But we kind of look at these parts of it and, and kind of ask ourselves, well, how does that even impact me? And hopefully as we go through this, it'll encourage you to say, man, the Bible can speak to you in so many ways that you never even imagined if you just let the Holy Spirit speak. Okay? Um, and, and that's just the beauty of this. And that's what I kind of want to process through. So this is the thing that kind of came through to me as I was thinking about the wise men uh, and this story of them coming and, and, and seeing Christ. It was simply this. They made a commitment to face whatever was necessary in order for them to experience being in the presence of the king. That, that's kind of the conclusion I came to. As, and you'll understand this as we kind of process this. I'm like, here is a group of people that saw a sign in the heavens. And, and the Bible tells us they saw the star in the heavens. And it told them the king had been born. And they said to themselves, this is so important. This is so significant. We're making a commitment that we are going to do whatever is necessary, face whatever is necessary, because we want to actually experience the presence of the king. That was the commitment they made. Now, this spoke to me because Christian this morning, um, just to ask the question for us, have we personally made that commitment ourselves to say, you know what, Lord, every single day of my life, every moment I awake, I am making the commitment to face whatever is necessary for me to know I am in the presence of the King. Now, here's the thing. I know every single day I am in the presence of Jesus. So that's not the issue. I'm not saying that you, you have to find the presence of Jesus every day. The, the, the issue is, I think there's many things in our lives and in the world that try to invade our life on a daily basis that actually keeps us from living the fullness 
of being in the presence of the king. Right? And that's what I want to talk about is some of the things that these wise men actually had to face to experience the presence of Jesus. So this morning, I'm hoping that all of us here are saying to ourselves, yes, that's what I want. I want the full presence of Jesus on a daily basis. Like That's what I want is to be in the presence of the king. That's what I desire more than anything else. So let's process through some things that like to get in the way of us experiencing the full presence of Jesus that the wise men also had to face. This is hopefully, again, encouraging to us because it's true for all of us. The first thing was this, is they had to face the unknown, right? They had to face the unknown. Think about this for a moment, because here's the story. Here's a bunch of men, and they're setting, and they're they're just living their lives, and all of a sudden, the star appears, and they have no other information than this. Hey, there's the star. A king has been born. He's the king of Israel. We need to go and worship him. They knew nothing else. They knew nothing else. They didn't know technically where the baby was. They didn't know technically when the baby was born. They didn't know what was required for them to get there. They didn't know which way to go other than, hey, we need to head to Israel. There were so many things about this moment that they did not know other than the king has been born. He is in Israel and we need to go and worship him. That's all they knew. Here's the thought that went through my mind as I was processing this. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, and this made me smile to myself when I I was thinking about this, the life of a Christian is a life that is full of uncertainties in the midst of certainty. And this is what I mean by this. The Christian life is a life that is full of uncertainties in the midst of certainties. There are so many things about what God wants from me and asks of me, and on a daily basis, I have no clue what God is going to want from me. It's completely unknown to me. But there's a whole lot of things that I am 100% certain of. I'm certain of this. No matter what he asks me to do, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. But here's the problem. Many times as a Christian, I spend more of my time focusing on the things I don't know than standing secure in the things that I do know. And as a Christian, there are many times I want to refuse to move forward into the unknown because I'm more afraid of what that entails than what God has already promised me. See, I sit there and I say things like this. I say, God, I'm willing to do that. But man, you got to give me all the details. Yeah, give me all the details. Lay it all out for me. Like, what are you asking? How much time commitment are we talking here? Like, how uncomfortable am I going to be? You know, like, let me decide if I really want to do this. Give me all the details, God. Please give me all the details. And many times that's what keeps us from experiencing the fullness of the presence of Christ in our lives because we are stopped by our fear of the unknown instead of standing upon the promises of what we know. But we claim the promises all the time. We say things like, well, God is good and and he wants to work for the good in my life. Okay, so can I trust that when he tells me, trust me, take this leap? 
trust me, move in this direction. Well, God, give me some more information. That's what I love about Abraham so much. We, we celebrate Abraham in the Old Testament, and all Abraham was told was, hey, get up, take everything you own, and leave to the country I will show you. And? I mean, that would be my response. And? God's like, that's it. Just pick up your stuff. Go. That's a lot of unknowns. And he's called the father of, of faith, right? Like he's, the, he's, he's like, he's the man when we think about faith. And the Bible tells us that the righteous will live by faith. If you want to be a, a Christian that follows after Christ and, and wants to experience the fullness of Christ, you have to come to terms with the fact that there's going to be many parts of your life that you're going to exist in the unknown. And you have to be fine with that. In fact, you have to rejoice in that. To say, Lord, I am completely fine with that because I don't need to know everything. I'm just going to stand on what I do know. And that's all that matters. Let me give you an example of this from real life. Um, so on Thanksgiving, I got to experience for the first time virtual reality. Okay? My niece had virtual reality, the little whatever it's called. I don't know. Um, but I put that thing on. And they, here's the deal. I am deathly afraid of heights. I do not like them at all. So here's the thing. They thought it'd be funny. They're like, I've got a game you got to play. So here, here's the thing. It's a game that was cool when it first started. Like you're in an elevator. Like cool elevator, you know, and you push a button and then the elevator goes up and then the doors open and legitimately you're a hundred stories off the ground and there's a plank in front of you. And I'm like, what do you do? Walk on the plank. That's it. That's it. You would be surprised how hard it is to walk on a plank when you're afraid of heights. I'm like, easy. I went like this, and when I stepped on the plank, it creaked. I'm not joking. Oh. <laughs> There's video of this. I'm not joking. I I'm sitting there just kind of looking at it like, now here's the thing. <laughs> I am legitimately 100%. I'm not lying. I am in my head right at that moment going, stupid, you are in a living room. You are in a living room. There is floor all around you. <laughs> Still was not getting me to walk on that plank. Okay? I finally, I got about halfway out on the plank. Right? I'm, 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 I'm about halfway. And I'm doing the, okay, yeah. And they're like, jump. <laughs> I'm like, what happens when you jump? Find out. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm not joking, actual video of this. Remember, there's floor all around me. Floor, okay? Not even joking. I'm like, no. <laughs> I step back in the elevator. That's how stupid this is. Here's the deal, right? Here's the deal. I think about that because that's how a lot of us are with our Christianity, right? We're, we're constantly trying to say to ourselves, I know the promises of God. I know that I got floor all around me. I know God's big enough. I know God's strong enough. I know God's with me in everything and in anything. And, but we look at it and he's just like, step. And we're just like, no, because it's unknown. And it's too scary to step into the unknown. I'm telling you right now, if you are here this morning and you desire to experience the fullness of Jesus, be willing to embrace the unknown. 
Be willing to step out into things that you don't know. And be fine with the fact that you are never going to know it. Because it's not about what you know. It's about who you know in those moments. So that's the first thing they had to overcome is they had to overcome the unknown. The second thing they had to overcome was the awkward. Okay? And here's what I mean by the awkward. Picture this. You go to work one morning. I don't know how this worked. I'm just thinking this way. This way my brain is. I picture the wise man going to work one day. Right? All of a sudden a star appears. Hey guys, you see what the star is? Yeah. We need to go worship him. Crap. We got to go tell our wives. All right. Honey, we're going on a trip. <laughs> You know how you've been wanting to go away for a while? We're going on a trip. Where are we going? Israel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, awkward, right? That's like me going, Amy, we're going to Cleveland. You know? Um, I'm not picking on Cleveland, seriously. It's just. But I, I'm just saying, it's like, it's, it's awkward. And, and then you think about this. They're getting ready for this trip. And they, yeah, see, the Bible doesn't include this, so I'm putting it in there. But it just seems like it would be awkward to me. Somebody coming along, like, hey, where are you going? Uh, we're, we're taking a journey. Where, where are you going? Well, we saw a star. Yeah. And it told us a king was born. Yeah. Israel. We're going to go see him. It's awkward right? It's just awkward having these conversations where you're telling people you're going to be different. Like they're going to look at you and say, but that's weird. Weird. Why are you doing that? And not only that, you're telling them, hey, we're going to go worship the king (laughs) in the occupied nation, right? You think about that. Like this wasn't they were going to see King Solomon's kid, right? Israel was an occupied nation by the Romans. They had no power. They had no authority. There was no significance to Israel. To the outside person, this would sound foolish. Why are you going to see the king in the occupied nation of Israel and worshiping him? Right? And and here's the thing about us as Christians. If I want to experience the fullness of Jesus Christ in my life, you better be prepared that you're going to be awkward to the rest of the world. The world is going to see you as awkward. They're not going to understand your decisions. They're not going to understand the choices that we make and the way that we live. It's going to seem different. And they're going to look at you and say, why are you even on this journey? It makes no sense to me. Why are you so different? Here's the thing. There's many of us, and I know I'm definitely one of them, I don't like, here's, I'm awkward. I know I'm awkward. doesn't mean I like being awkward, right? I mean, there's many times, I'll be completely blunt about it. There's many times that we will leave. It's like, it's like the other, when, when Pastor Matt was preaching for anybody that was here, and um, he, I don't even remember what you were preaching on, but he decided to use me about something with wearing PJs. And I made that smart comment of, it's like, no, but I was wearing my, you know, Mr. Incredible, you know, pajamas last night, which I was, by the way. Because just tried them on. But then I left and I'm like, I looked at Amy. I was like, did it sound like I was telling the church, like I was hanging out at home all night, just chilled back in Mr. Incredible, you know, PJs? And she's like, yeah. That wasn't how it went. Like I found them, put them on, ha, 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 took them off. And, but I, I went home going like, oh man, that just sounded awkward. Here's the thing. I don't care, but Christians, some people, we're so afraid to look different that we blend in into whatever group that we're, we're with because we're so afraid to be awkward. 
especially when it comes to Jesus. We morph into being like the people. So when we're at work, we're like the work people, right? And when we gather with family that aren't Christians, we become like the family people. And when we hang out with certain groups of friends, we morph into them. And we might try to keep a consistent level of, you know, Christianity with all of it, but I think we could be honest with ourselves. I think there's a lot of times, because I know I've done it, that it's just like, well, I don't want to be awkward. So we'll kind of dial it down a little bit in this situation. Because I don't want to take the chance of being made fun of or being ostracized or anything like that. We'll just take it down a little bit. And I'm telling you, if we want to experience the fullness of Jesus, we have to be willing to embrace and step into the awkward. Because Jesus says, I I need you to be different, completely different. I need you to be holy. I need you to be light. I, I don't need you to be light on a dimmer switch. He's like, in fact, he says the complete opposite. He's like, I need you to be light because I don't, you don't light something and then put it under a bowl. You, you, you sit on a stand for all of it to see. I don't need you to dim it down depending on who you're with. I need you to be consistently light no matter where you're at. I need you to be awkward. Now, here's the other thing I want to talk about awkwardness just for a moment because this is another one that's hard for us and it's extremely hard for me. One of the ways that I think we, we don't get to experience the fullness of Jesus the way he wants us to is because we don't like being awkward with one another. And here's what I mean about being awkward with one another. And when I say one another, I mean in the church with other Christians. We have a fear, at least I know I, I have a fear, of being vulnerable. Because it's awkward. It's awkward to pull back the curtain and show people the reality of who we are, the things we struggle with, the scars that we carry, the sins that we still struggle with on a daily basis. I don't want to be vulnerable because that's awkward. It makes me feel awkward. I'll give you an example of this from my own life. I remember I was probably 23-ish around at the time. I don't know. I was at a, a, a prayer thing with a bunch of men. There was a whole bunch of men from the church that I was going to and actually serving at at the time. Uh, we were sitting around in a circle. We were praying. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning because it was a, it was a prayer uh, advance. So that's what the whole focus on was praying as men. And we were sitting around praying and there was, again, there was probably about eight of us, nine of us. Uh, the pastor of the church was there. Uh, my father was actually there. Uh, one of my uncles was there and some other men that I was very close with. And, and then all of a sudden God started to impress upon me. He's like, David, you need to confess this. Here's the sin that's so black in your heart. You need to confess this right now. And I'm like, you know, that is awkward. He's like, confess your sin. And he just kept pushing it on me and pushing on me and pushing on me. Now, here's the thing. At that time in my life, this was a sin that I legitimately was so scared to be vulnerable about because I legitimately thought it would be something. Like in my brain, I was like, they're going to strip me of everything I do in the church. It was one of those kind of things, right? Like they're going to look at me and say, you're done. How dare you? We want nothing to do with you. You are like, it was, that's where my brain was. That deep, dark, I can't open up that door. Or don't ask me to open up that door. Here's the thing. God, the dude gets his way. 
Because I finally just, I did it. I was like, I am, tears in my eyes around the circle. I confessed it. And, and, and something amazing happened. Um, instead of rejection, I received acceptance. Instead of disgust, I received a group of men surrounding me and praying for me. And then something else amazing happened. After I'd done confessing my thing and they prayed for me and we were doing this and, and just this release of what I felt, um, there was a young man that was in our group um, that was sitting across and, and he was just, he was just, he couldn't contain the emotion. He was just bawling. And the next thing out of his mouth was, I got to confess the same thing too. And then all of a sudden he's confessing the same sin for his life that I just confessed for my life. And he receives acceptance and love and prayer and all of this. I share this because one of the things I think keeps the church, all of us, the church, from fully experiencing the presence of the king is because we don't want to be vulnerable with each other. And I'm not even talking about blatant sin. There are things from our past that I, you know you're forgiven about, but you're still too, I can't let people know that. Can, can I tell you something really quick about being vulnerable, even about your past? Even though if you're past it, you're forgiven all of that. Man, Satan still wants you to hide it because he doesn't want God to use you to help somebody that's struggling with the same thing. He doesn't want you to be vulnerable. He doesn't want us to actually look at one another and say, I'm broken and messy and I got scars. That's not what he wants. And, and so I'm just only sharing this for two reasons. One, I want to share it because if there's anybody in this room that you legitimately have something in your life that right now it scares you to death if anybody would ever find out about it in the church. If you legitimately are sitting there going, man, there's a part of my life, there is a door, a closet, there is something in my life that I can never allow to be known or even a hint of being known. I'm telling you right now, I know exactly what you're feeling. And it's lies from the enemy himself. I'm not saying you ever have to get up in front of the church and confess it to everybody, but I'm telling you right now, you are rejecting the fullness of Jesus in your life when you believe this idea that you have to keep something hidden. Second, if there's anybody in this room that you have things from your past that you are kind of like, I don't want that to be known, I'm telling you, let God heal it so much that you are willing to be awkward because God will use your scars to bring healing to somebody else. Again, you may never have to come up and say it in front of everybody. That's what's kind of funny about this is because after we went to that prayer advance, we come back and the first thing we do is we have this big church service and, and we all get up to share what happened with us at the, at, the, um, at, <laughs> at the prayer advance. And here I am behind the pulpit. And once again, I'm standing up there and God's like, tell them what you did. <laughs> <I'm> like, no, <laughs> that's really awkward. But I did it. Right? And again, I'm not saying that's what God wants from all of us. I'm just saying be willing to be awkward. Let your guard down. Let people know who you are. Realize that everybody knows that every one of us is already broken. Let's just be honest about it. And just be awkward. They had to face some awkwardness. Here's the third thing they wouldn't let stop them. And 
experiencing the fullness of Jesus. Uh, they wouldn't be stopped by the inconvenient. Okay? What I mean by the inconvenient is simply this. Um, picture this for a moment. Hey, we're going on a trip, which means, hey, we got to prep for travel. Um, it, it meant they had to make some schedule changes, right? So think about this. It probably took them about 40 to 50 days to get to Israel. Like that's a one way. 50 days just to get there, do what they had to do, and then 50 days back. They had to change their schedules a little bit, right? I mean, the, the guy probably went home. He's like, honey, we're going to Israel. She's like, but we have the basketball tournament next week. I told mom we were coming over for dinner, right? You promised to get the list done of all the house chores, right? We had plans is basically what I'm saying. Is the inconvenient, right? We have plans. What do you mean we're going to take four months potentially to go to Israel, right? Uh, think about this. The inconvenient. They, they rode camels or walked. I don't know which they did. Either way does not sound appealing to me whatsoever. But could you imagine 50 days on a camel? No. I mean, could you imagine how tired and sore you are after 50 days on a camel? I'm just, could you, just every night, you know, and you know there was the one complainer. You know it. Every trip, there's the one complainer, right? You, every night, they're sitting around the fire, and there's one dude just like, why are we doing this? This is stupid. So then you have to put up with the inconvenience of listening to the guy that's like, this is the dumbest thing we've ever done. And then theory says that they took their families with them. I don't know if they did, but could you imagine this? Dads, picture this for a moment. Just think about driving a two-hour trip with a kid in the back seat. Imagine 50 days with this. You know, you know one of the wives was like, you could have taken me to this, you know, she says, is a stupid, you just know what happened. Again, the Bible doesn't say this, but you know these are people. They're real. These things happen. People's attitudes were probably horrible. And then just add in the unexpected things that happened, right? Camel broke down. Okay? I mean, you know on a 50-day trip, something happened that just annoys you, and it's an inconvenience, can we all be honest with ourselves that sometimes being a Christian, we get attitude because we feel inconvenienced when God asks us to do something? But God, I got plans. I, I got the schedule, Lord. Don't mess with the schedule. Anybody that's friends with me on Facebook, you, again, this isn't a God thing, but it is because God says, David, be a good father. It's, School system felt they needed to schedule the choir concert the same night that Spider-Man came out. <laughs> I mean, school people, do you not check calendars? <laughs> and the sad part about it is I had a ticket already bought. It's all good. And then God says, David, you need to show your kid that she's more important. It's like, oh. This is inconvenient, Lord. This is extremely inconvenient. And I make fun with that, but we do it all the time, right? How often do we find ourselves, it's like, Lord, I don't want to do this. I don't want to get up and read my Bible. I don't want to spend time praying. I don't want to have that awkward conversation, Lord. I don't want to invite so-and-so to Christmas Eve service, Lord, because it's inconvenient. 
I don't want to have to go help serve that person. I don't want to have to go help the person across the street. I remember about three years ago, our neighbor was across the street and his snowblower broke down and he was out there and he was, was, we just had a bad snow and he's out there shoveling and I'm standing inside my house and I'm watching, I'm looking at him and like everything in me, God's like, you need to go out there and help him. Like, God, it's it's cold out there. He's like, it don't matter. He's like, yeah, but I don't have a hat. I'm not joking. This is what goes through my head. And then he's like, no, go help him. And I'm like, but God, he's got a snowblower. He's never offered to help me. I know, you're all like, that's bad, but you've been there. And I'm saying, it's inconvenient. And, and then he, so here's the deal. Finally, I, I put on my stuff. I went over, had a good conversation as we, we've, you know, here's the thing. If you are not willing to be inconvenient by Jesus, you're never going to be close to Jesus. Just let it sink in for a moment. If you are not willing to be inconvenienced by Jesus, you're not going to be close to Jesus. In fact, this is the the thing that God told me when I was thinking about this. A lot of the things that I see as inconveniences in my life as a Christian exist because I'm still under the assumption at times that I'm in control of this life. That's why it's an inconvenience. Lord, what do you mean you want me to do that? I'm in control of this life. And then he'll remind me, but David, you were bought at a price. You are not, you're, you're not your own. You're mine. It's like, oh, but Lord, I want to be close to you. Then you got to be willing to be inconvenienced by me. And the beautiful thing about this is this is the other thing God has reminded me of is simply this. If I would get my heart right now, I'm not putting this on anybody else. Remember, I'm telling you what God was challenging me with. So again, if this relates to you, I'm not saying it for you. I'm saying it for me. God showed me as I was thinking through this, he's saying, David, all the things that you see is inconvenient. If you would let me change your heart as I draw you to me, the things you see as inconveniences today, you're going to see as blessings tomorrow. He's like, you need me to change your attitude. When you get close to me, David, you don't see them as inconveniences anymore. You you don't see them as, oh, I don't want to do that. You see them as what they are. And they're the blessings that I'm giving you to be used by me. Here's the next thing they had to overcome. They had to overcome the unexpected. This kind of fits with being awkward. It fits with the inconveniences, but the unexpected. So, so picture this for a moment. They make this trip. They come to Jerusalem. They walk into the king's palace, and they say to the king, we're here to worship the baby that's been born. We're here to worship the new king. And this is the response they get. What king? Wouldn't that just tick you off? Like, are you kidding me? I mean, you just, I mean, can, here's the thing. You know the longest stretch of road? Uh, you all know this. Everybody's lived here long enough. When you go on a long trip and you hit 30 to 218, like that 218 is like, but you're just like, I'm almost home. We're almost there. It's like, you're getting excited. I could picture that. They're, you know, hey, I see Jerusalem. Oh, thank you. It's right there. We're almost there. I see the palace. It's almost there. Hey, where's the kid? What kid? Well, that was a little unexpected. Not only that, then they're still committed to this. Not only that, then they say, well, we don't know what you're talking about, but we're, we're going to check the scrolls. Um, they don't even know where the baby's supposed to be born. If I was a wise man, I'd be like, isn't this more important than this? Don't you guys know what's going on? Hey, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Okay, let's go see the king. And then they go to Bethlehem. So they go from the big city, the big palace, 
to see the king to the little village, and they stroll up on the teeny tiny house, and they see the simple Joseph and Mary, poor people, and they see the baby. And I don't know if I, if I was, if I, like, well, that's not a king. That's not what I expected. In my head, I expected this. In my head, I expected a palace, and I expected this honor. And, and here's the thing, the way the customs work. Like, if I were to come and, and, and visit a king, man, it was a big deal. Like, I would come in, and, and they would announce me, because if I was important, and I was bringing gifts, and it would be a big show. Basically, if anybody needs, a, like, a reference to this, picture Aladdin. Remember the movie Aladdin when Prince Ali comes into town? It's a big show, dancing elephants and all that good stuff. I don't think that happened, but you never know. They come in. It was a big deal. And here's how I know it was a big deal. is because the Bible says that all of Jerusalem was disturbed by what happened. That means the entire city knew it happened. Right? The Bible says that it was such a big deal that they came into the city to worship Jesus and to worship this king and and nothing. And it was completely unexpected. The reason I bring this up, and we need to talk about this for a moment, is I'm sure everybody in this room, you've done something. And in your head, you had it pictured how it should be. But the way it played out was completely unexpected than what you were thinking it was going to be. And we have moments, I've had moments where I'm like, really, God? That's how we're going to play this? I do all that, and this is what comes out of it? Why did, did you not did you not know what my thought is in all of this? How I think it should have went? Like, I, I expected some, some things here, God. I expected some different outcomes. I expected you to give me this or, or help me with this. Or, or why? And I can become bitter. And I can become frustrated. And I can become angry. And I've had those moments in my Christianity. Well, well God, that's not what I wanted. And then that's when God reminds me of something very important. And he says, David, never forget, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. If you want to be close to me, then you better be prepared for the unexpected. Because I'm not going to do it the way you want to do it. And, and, and it frustrates me at times because then God reminds me of something else. He's because I'm smarter than you, David. I know better than you. I, I know what's going to be best. I know what's going to be good. But Lord, it's not what I expected. Then get used to being unexpected. And, and here's the thing I'd also want to say. This is the other thing that's cool about God. Sometimes when I've allowed myself to be humble enough to accept what God is doing, I find out sooner rather than later that his plan was so much better than mine. But the reason it takes me time to realize that is because I get very upset and childlike. Well, not childlike, childish. And I tell God, that's not cool, man. Why'd you do it that way? I was thinking about this, and we just have one more, and then we'll be done. But let me give you an example of this. Anybody ever had those moments in life where you thought like you were getting ahead? And then something happens and God just like, like, it's not God's fault, but something happens and like everything that you thought you were like, okay, it was kind of nice having a bank account. Where'd that go? Like, why'd you let that happen, God? Like, I'm finally getting somewhere. I'm finally making something. Like, what's the deal? I had plans. I had plans. 
This is what God reminded me of that. And, and I didn't like this, and I don't know if it's true, but this is what I felt like he was reminding me of. Uh, God's told me in the past, like, David, have you ever thought that the reason I let the unexpected happen is because I want to use you to teach someone else something amazing about me? Let me give you an example of this. Um, going back to being awkward, these all tie together. Um, I remember there's been times in our lives where we would have needs, financial needs. And many times we live in a society that says, don't, don't, don't share your needs with anybody, right? Just, you don't be awkward, right? You don't, you know, and just like, no, I'm going to be honest about it. This is our need. This is what, what our problem is. And then amazingly, God would stir the heart of another Christian or a couple of Christians. And all of a sudden they would come along and they would help take care of that need. Right? And God reminded me, he's like, David, have you ever thought that sometimes I put you in difficult situations because I want to use you to give somebody else an opportunity to be me for you? So God's like, are you willing to let me put you in unexpected circumstances because I want to use you to grow somebody else in what it means to love and care for you? And I'll be honest with you, I sit there even now as I say that and say, yeah, but I don't want that because the unexpected situations suck. I'm just going to be honest. They do. But God's like, be willing for the unexpected because I'm teaching you something more than just you. I want you to experience blessing from other people. You got to be willing to be awkward. You got to be willing to express need. You got to be willing to let people help you. You got to be willing to embrace the unexpected. Here's the last thing. They also wouldn't be stopped by what it was going to cost them. All of this cost them something. The Bible tells us that when they came, they gave great gifts. They gave gifts of gold and, and incense, frankincense and myrrh, and they gave these, these great things. Here's the thing about the Bible. It doesn't tell us how much, but picture, picture this in your head. They were traveling for 50 days to give gifts to a king. Man, they weren't bringing just a little bit of gold. They weren't bringing just a little bit of frankincense. You know how we always see the pictures there they are with their little boxes? You know, those were made because we couldn't do big boxes in the children's programs. So we had to represent them with little boxes, right? They didn't come with little boxes. They came with big boxes of gold. They came with a lot of this stuff and it cost them something because the way this would work is, is I'm going to give my very best at the foot of the king to show that king the honor that they deserve. And I'm going to lay that before them to show them the place of worship. And that's what we came to worship. They brought a great cost. But here's the thing. The custom of the day, again, go back to that custom of the day. The custom of the day was, I'm going to bring my gifts to the king, and the king then would in return, maybe not necessarily give me gifts, but I'm going to be received as an important guest of that king, right? I'm going to lay my gifts before that king, and they're going to shower upon me, come to my table, dine with me, stay with me, let me take care of you, let us rejoice together. Yes, you are being received into my presence. That's the custom of the day. But here's the thing. The wise men came and they brought their gift of great significance. But they found out they were laying it at the feet of a servant king that at that moment had nothing to give them in return. They weren't received in the sense of, come, stay with us. Let me put you up in our best room. 
Let's celebrate and throw a feast for you for the next seven days. Let's have a party because you are here. Mary and Joseph couldn't do none of that. There was no immediate return to their sacrifice. And Christian, I share this because sometimes, sometimes, we fall into the trap of not sacrificing the way God wants us to because if we don't see an immediate return of our sacrifice, we're not happy. Lord, I gave this Why aren't you returning something back to me right now? And sometimes, the only blessing we're going to get, and realize this, it's the greatest blessing you will ever have when we sacrifice to Jesus. It's just being pulled even closer to the heart of Jesus. That's the greatest blessing any of us could ever experience is just being in the presence of Jesus Christ. That's what they got. They got to be in the presence of the king. But see, there was something very significant, a result for their sacrifice that we have to realize. The Bible doesn't tell us this, but it's there and we have to realize it. Right after these events, the Bible says that Herod is going to try to kill Jesus. So they flee to Egypt We don't know how long they stayed there, but it potentially is a couple of years. They're anywhere from two to potentially seven years. They are in Egypt. You know what's amazing? Is God financed the protection of his his son through the gifts of some wise men. So here's the thing I want to just, just think about this for a moment. Every person in this room we owe some gratitude to some wise men that were committed to be in the presence of the king to give a gift. When we talk about that gold, frankincense, and myrrh, we, talk about, we don't really think about it. Do you realize that gold, frankincense, and myrrh was used by God to protect his son so that his son would make it to the cross to die for you, to die for me, so that we could sit here today as children of the Most High. The gifts of the wise men are why you are here today and you will stand in eternity forever. Man, sometimes we got to realize that maybe we don't see the impact of the sacrifice in the moment, but God's got bigger plans than we do. And I'm here to tell you there will come a day in eternity when you're going to see how every sacrifice you made and every cost that you were willing to pay, God used it for glory for eternal things. And if we want to be close to the heart of Jesus, you got to be willing to pay the cost. Here's, you know, how how do we do this? How do we overcome, right? It's simply this. Keep your eyes on the star. This morning, keep your eyes on the star. That's what the wise men did. They kept their eyes on the star. The Bible tells us in Ephesians, don't live as the foolish, but as the wise. Here's something that's amazing when we think about this. In Numbers, go back to Numbers. I'm going to pull out Numbers on Christmas. I see a prophecy in Numbers. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. There's a prophecy in Numbers. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Now let's skip ahead to Revelation. Jesus said this, I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. 
Church, as we close, how do we get into the full presence of Jesus Christ? Keep your eyes on the star. Keep your eyes on the star. Only on the star. Psalm simply, simply says this, my eyes are ever on the Lord. Don't focus on the awkward. Don't focus on the unexpected. Don't focus on all of these things, the cost. Don't focus on all that. Keep your eyes on the star. Let's pray. And as we pray, and then I'll have Matt come up also and just kind of give a, that closing. But gracious God, just remind us to keep our eyes on you always and forever. You are worthy of everything, and we love you so much. In your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, as we prepare to close uh, this morning, I just want to encourage you, uh, as we, we heard from Pastor Davis, that we are to keep our eye on the star, right? And really, this is what it comes down to. Uh, whether it's now, um, six days before Christmas, or when we get to Easter, or when we're in the middle of August, because August happens. Nothing else happens in August, but we have August, Right? Nothing exciting. But, but no matter what it is or where we are, the goal for us as Christ followers, I know some of you were like, that's when I get to go back to school. Great. Um, but if we keep our eye on Jesus, we know the old song, right? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace.